0: You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast for interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 87. In this episode, we'll be meeting Diana Sarissa, who has lived in several U.S. states in the north of England and the Isle of Man. And she uh, writes the uh, best-selling mysteries set on the Isle of Man, the Aunt Bessie uh, mystery series, as well as the Isle of Man ghostly cozy mysteries and the Markham Sisters Cozy Mystery Novellas. Diana is a prolific author with an amazing writing and uh, publishing schedule. The uh, 23rd book in her Aunt Bessie mystery series uh, will be published on January 17th, 2020. It's uh, Aunt Bessie Wonders. And so we'll talk to her about her uh, writing process, about uh, writing mysteries, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for my interview with Diana Sarissa coming right up. Hey everybody, this is Alan with uh, Meet the Thriller Author, and today's guest is uh, Diana Zariza Dunn, who's the best-selling author of The Aunt Bessie Mysteries, The Isle of Man Ghostly Cozy Mysteries. Uh, She has a whole bunch of other novels that we'll uh, talk to her about. Uh, Hi Diana, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. Still in a bit of a turkey coma from Thanksgiving, but otherwise well.
0: (laughs) Oh yes, exactly, yeah, same here. uh, And I'm a little bit turkeyed out. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, I'll give you a brief bio. I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, went to Allegheny College, which is in Meadville. It's a small liberal arts school with a heavy emphasis on writing. So I did a lot of writing, academic writing, but it's still relevant to to what I do now, I guess. Ended up in college administration, met my husband when I was in Washington, D.C. working. He's English, so... Ended up living in England for about 11 years. Most of that was spent on the Isle of Man, which is a tiny island in the Irish Sea, if you don't know it. 2008, we moved back to the US, and we're now settled in the outskirts of Buffalo, New York. I have a 21 year old son who is senior at the University at Buffalo, doing a five year master's degree program in biomedical engineering, and I have a 16 year old daughter who is a senior in high school, who just last week got her acceptance to the University at Buffalo, where she will be doing, hopefully, the plan, is mechanical engineering with a minor in technical theater.
0: Wow, those are smart kids. <laughs> yeah. And so how would you describe your books to, to someone who hasn't read any of your the, the previous novels?
1: What I consider sort of traditional cozy, um, the sort of cozies that were being written in the 80s and 90s when I was growing up and reading a lot of cozies and I, and I say that to distinguish them from the more modern style cozies which I read and love as well but I can't write. <laughs> <laughs> so older female protagonists, um, small town, no sex, no swearing, all of the violence is off stage and I mean is somewhere between 60 and 100 and don't ask her exactly where. You know, she just knows everybody in her small town, so she's valuable. She's a valuable asset to the local police. She can help them figure out what's going on behind the scenes, as it were.
0: Yeah, I read of a few of your ambassadors. They're, they're a lot of fun, and I, I really like her. She uh, kind of reminds me of my grandmother. She's like suffers no fools. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, exactly. She's she's loosely based on both my grandmother-in-law and my mother-in-law. Um, very. British old school women, like you said, suffer. Don't suffer fools gladly.
0: And so, so you lived in that in the Isle of Man. So that obviously that came pretty handy when you started writing these. Huh?
1: Well, yeah, it was. I originally wrote a couple of romances set there, and I wrote a bunch of stuff, all different genres. I just kept putting stuff up on Amazon, hoping someone would buy something. And the only thing that ever sold at all was really that romance novel set on the Isle of Man. So I thought, ha, this is my unique selling point. I need to set everything on the Isle of Man. And
0: it's worked out very well.
1: (laughs) It helps that while I lived there, I did a master's degree in the history of the island. So I put a lot of history into my books. Um, And the island has a a really unique history. it's, It's been owned by everybody and it's had its own <laughs> it's, i mean uh, well i could talk for hours but i won't um but but there's a lot of really unique things that you can incorporate into stories in different ways and a lot of really unique historical sites that you can put into the stories so
0: yeah that's so fascinating because yeah when i was look, doing a little research um, all i knew about it before your books was really that it was like for financial stuff like gambling sites are there <laughs> i didn't realize that all this other history
1: Yeah, it's also a good financial center if you wanted to take some money offshore. And
0: and I noticed on your website you have an MA in Manx Studies. So that's the actual language that this, uh, is it still spoken there?
1: Well, the master's degree, the Manx Studies master's degree incorporates anything that you wanted to study about the island. So mine's actually focused on the history of the island. But yes, the language is spoken there. Um, The last native speaker died in the 70s, but there's been a huge revival um, of the language. There's actually a school on the island that teaches entirely in Maine, elementary level it's a school, so, you know, small children. Um, one of my friends sent her son there because she loved the small class sizes, and they're not taught any English until I believe it's third or fourth grade. There, there's a, a revival of the language. All the road signs are in both English and Mang. and at Tinwald Day, which is the annual meeting of the government out in the open air on Tinwald Hill, which is where they've been meeting since the Viking age, um, all of the laws are read in both Manx and English.
0: You have a new series also, or newish, uh, the Isle of Man ghostly cozy series, so can you tell me the difference between that? I mean, I'm assuming obviously there's ghosts in it, but what's the what makes it a ghostly cozy series?
1: One ghost, but um, the, the main character in that series actually grew up in America, but inherited um, the estate of her older her aunt, so she moved back to the island with this inheritance. She was born on the island, but then moved when she was two, so she's basically American. Um, but the aunt still lives in the luxury apartment on the promenade even though she's dead. I shouldn't say lives. She still dwells in the apartment. I don't know what ghosts do, but she's still there being annoying. And, um, but it gives my main character then someone who knows the island to fill her in on things as she gets caught up in murder after murder after murder.
0: Still continuing to write then both series?
1: Yes. Although Bessie will get to Z at the end of 2020.
0: Hey. <laughs> How many Bessies out th- are there out there right now? that you have published?
1: There are there are 22 at the moment, and I'm going. I'm doing the whole alphabet, so she'll get to Z at the end of 2020, and then in 2021, I'm going to launch a new series with Bessie and some of her friends, but a whole different take on it. So it's not going to be quite as cozy. If gonna be different
0: <laughs> oh, fun and uh, do you come up with so you come up with the uh, the titles of the alphabet do you did you come up with the titles before you even started writing all the books?
1: It depends on the book sometimes yes sometimes I write the book first because something's happening in the series. For instance, I've had weddings and and babies and things like that so okay in this next book we have to have this wedding. So I'll write the book, and then I'll be like, okay, now I've got the letter T to work with. I've got to figure out a a title that works with T. For the other series, for the ghostly series, because I use two words, and one is supposed to be a good thing and one is a bad thing, and they both start with the same letter of the alphabet, I do tend to come up with the titles first. So, for instance, the next one is M. And in a fit of madness, I chose marsupials and murder. Because one of the unique things about the Isle of Man is that it has a wild wallaby population. It's the only place outside of where wallabies come from that has a wild wallaby population because a breeding pair escaped from the island's wildlife park back in the 1970s, and they never managed to catch them. So now there's something like 100 wild wallabies living on the island. So it seemed like a natural to write about the wild wallabies. So I did Marsupials and Murder.
0: That's going to be your latest books. That's in the uh, in the Ghostly Cozy series?
1: That'll be the next one in the Ghostly Cozy series, yes.
0: Oh, okay. And what's the latest one on uh, Aunt Bessie? Is that one out already, the, your most recent um, one?
1: The next one will be Aunt Bessie Wonders, W-X-Y-Z, yeah. Aunt Bessie Wonders will be out in January. Aunt Bessie Volunteers, is that, I'm going to get my alphabet right. The, yes, Aunt Bessie Volunteers came out in October.
0: And those are both, uh, you, you do pre order, so they're available out now uh, to order, yes. right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, Aunt Bessie Wonders is on pre order now. Yeah. Marsupials and Murder is on pre order. I also have a novella length series that, that nobody ever dies. <laughs> so it's Crime Without Murder. And I'm going to finish the alphabet on that one next year as well.
0: Oh, yeah, and so we we always have, uh, you, you mentioned before that you were a fan of traditional cozy, so you were always a fan of mysteries and the, these type of books?
1: Yeah, I grew up reading, well, I mean, Nancy Drew, obviously, you know, when you're small. That was what all the girls were reading when I was in, like, fourth and fifth grade. And then also the similar but not as well-known, like the Bopsy Twins and Kay Tracy and a bunch of them. But then as I got older, obviously Agatha Christie... Um, Rex Stout, loved Rex Stout. Um, then I moved on to people like Simon Brett and Dorothy Gilman. Traditional cozies, but also some with just strong female characters. Sue Grafton, obviously. I can't, now I'm trying to think if the one I'm thinking of is that the character or is that the name of the author? <laughs> I better <laughs> check before I give you any more names. <laughs> I have shelves of books in here. Marsha Mueller, that's the one that I couldn't think of. You know, so uh, female authors who wrote strong female characters. Although Simon Brett is not a female author, but he writes great female characters.
0: How long have you been writing? Did you always wanted to be a, a, a writer?
1: Writing was always like an, an escape for me, a, a something to do when I had nothing to do. I keep telling my kids they don't appreciate, you know, with their phones and, and TV on demand and... The internet they're constantly doing things there's always something to do but when we were growing up we didn't have all that stuff we spent a lot of time reading and playing cards and you know and i spent a lot of time just writing story ideas or writing short stories or jotting down plots for what i would do if i could change my life or whatever um and then as i got older i thought gosh i could make money from this but it's a lot harder than it sounds <laughs> So I was, particularly after I got married and I was at home with the kids, I would write something and I would send it off to a publisher or to an agent and I would get a rejection and then I'd be like, okay, I'm not good at this and I would throw it all away and I wouldn't touch it for months and then I'd be like, ooh, I could write a book about this and I'd start another story. (laughs) So it wasn't until my husband said, you know, you've been doing this your whole life, you're not getting anywhere, why don't you try self-publishing on Kindle the the subtext of that was, and then when nobody buys your books, you can actually go out and get a real job. Um, but he didn't actually go that far. It was just understood. But this was back when I was still a stay-at-home mom, and I really needed to find something at least part-time to to help out a little bit at home after years at home with the kids.
0: Well, that uh, that 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 turned out pretty well, though. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how do you find the whole process of uh, of of publishing it uh, yourself, with so much to do, and I mean, you have it down pat now. But was it a little, a, a little freaky in the at first? <laughs>
1: well, you know, I think it helped that I had no idea what I was doing, so I didn't know that I was doing a lot of it wrong. Um, I also started back in 2013 when there were a lot fewer resources for independent authors. Um, basically, Amazon had their little booklet of here's how to format. So you followed that. And there weren't a lot of cover artists. There weren't a lot of editors out there. Um, I actually, my sister does my editing, did my editing. She still does a lot of my editing for me. And I just used Amazon's cover creator and threw books up and hoped for the best. If I could go back in time, I would do things a lot differently. But at the time, I was just scrambling to do whatever I could to see if I could get any kind of traction.
0: Yeah, things sure have changed. Yeah, I published my first one in 2013 as well, and it was so you just put it up there, and then Amazon basically did all the all the selling work. And that sort of has changed the last few years.
1: <laughs> yes, it has. But luckily, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit better at what I was doing
0: mm-hmm.
1: now than I than I was then. So hopefully, I'm, you know, managing
0: yeah I'm so fascinated with your uh with your writing process. can you tell uh, tell us a little bit about that
1: you want to know about
0: like, well like how you like plan the whole series out and then your like your writing routine?
1: I quickly discovered what, i put when I, I put the first bessie up and I was amazed when it actually started to sell' because I had a bunch of other stuff that didn't really sell, so I immediately wrote the second book as quick as I could and then a the third book and then you know. So I learned that I don't work well when I feel like I'm have to, like i under a lot of pressure. So now I write a year ahead. So right now I have 21 books ready to publish in 2020. It'll be 22 by the end of the year. I've got three weeks to finish off the book I'm in the middle of. So for me, on the 2nd of January, I will start and I will write 5,000 words a day every day until I have Monday to Friday, I do take weekends off usually, until I have everything ready for 2021. 5,000 words takes me two and a half, three hours. So that's a big, uh, usually between 12 and 3, I sit down and write. Mornings are for taking my daughter to school, running errands, and then all the admin that goes along with the career you know, answering emails and setting up promos and checking on my ads and wondering why nothing's working and all of that stuff. And then but the other side of the productivity side is that I work everywhere. So I always have a book in my bag that I'm editing. And it goes everywhere with me. So when my daughter's doing Taekwondo, I'm editing. When My daughter's doing taekwondo again because she does does it three or four times a week. Um, Also, she does a math class that's two and a half hours on a Monday and a Wednesday. I take my laptop and I write extra words on top of those 5,000 a day. So the hope is always that everything for the next year is done by sometime in August. And then I have four months the rest of the year to write whatever I want to write or not write, although I always write. I don't know what to do with myself if I'm not writing now. But I write other stuff. So this year I started a new romance series that'll come out next. The first four books will come out next year. I don't know if it'll sell. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care if it doesn't sell. But I had fun writing them. It was a departure from what I normally do. And I hope it sells. I hope it's successful because I really love it. I love my characters and I love the stories. But. But it's not my bread and butter, so... Yeah,
0: I noticed on your website you have a a lot of different... uh, You've written a lot of different... uh, In different genres. Uh, Is that the... So you always write... I mean, like, if you're writing the cozies, you write in cozies. You don't jump back and forth. It's like cozies and romance.
1: Now that I'm a year ahead, I have the luxury of sitting down and writing in blocks. So I'll write the four ghostly cozies for next year, one right after another. So I can stay with my characters, and we can work through those four books. So I'll sit down, and I'll plot all four of them. For the ghostlies, I'll start with, I need titles. And I'm getting up to the really thorny letters, too, because I've got L-M-N-O-P. So I've got, like, Q-R. Well, Q's going to be, uh. <laughs> um, But anyway, so I'll come up with titles, and I'll look at where I left my character in the last one for, you know... And I'll figure out what's going on in her personal life and how that's going to tie in over the next four books. And then I'll plot out those four books, and then I'll write those four books. Then I'll take the next series, and I'll write, plot out those four books. And, and My plots are pretty loose. I try and do a chapter-by-chapter chapter idea of what's going to happen in the book. Um, and then I do a, a long character list... Um, And I always throw in a couple of extra names for random characters because you always end up with somebody behind the counter in the grocery store that you suddenly need a name for. And I hate breaking my concentration to go out and find a name. I'm terrible at naming characters. They would all be called George Smith if I didn't really work at it (laughs) because I can never think of anything when I'm actually writing. So I'll have my character list. I'll have my basic outline. And sometimes... I'll get to chapter nine, and it'll say, yeah, something's going to happen here, but I don't know what. <laughs> but usually, as I work, I'll take notes in my document for what's coming in the next couple of chapters, and that'll keep getting extended until I get to the end of the book. So aside from my written outline, I'll have my on- online outline as the book goes along. And sometimes it looks, ends up looking nothing like the original plan, and sometimes it's almost exactly the original plan it's i don't know sometimes the story goes one way and i didn't expect it
0: and do you use a word or a scrivener or
1: i use word i don't have the patience to learn scrivener mhm and i know that i should <laughs> it's one of those things i feel like i should learn it i know that i could keep my like story notes and character notes and stuff which would be brilliant because i'm terrible if you ever want to write a long series keep a story Bible, keep a series Bible for your, like this is, I am so terrible at this. And I mean, I'm how many books in 22 books into the series. I probably have five different notebooks with Bessie notes scattered all over my house. (laughs) And I'll be like, I'm sure this character was in book mm, six, seven, maybe eight, nine, somewhere. And then I've got to go and try and find the book and find the character and figure out what color their hair was. Or whatever I need, because I hate cr- creating new characters in this. You know, it's a small town. You can't have 400 people working behind the counter in the grocery store. <laughs> but uh, I forget who I put behind there the last book, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have to go check it out. Yeah, that yeah, that, uh, that's amazing. Especially with and you have like, you know, two or three series going, <laughs> or several series going too. So that's a lot of characters to keep track of.
1: Yes, it is. And and they also crisscross each other. So some of the characters in Bessie wander through the ghostly. And the main characters in the novella series actually started in a Bessie, appeared in a Bessie first before I even planned to do the novella series. So they visit Bessie, Bessie visits them. And then my ghostly series is 15 years later. So some of the characters reappear as older versions of themselves so we find out what happened to them a little bit. But I, I'm, I'm a great one for planting Easter eggs, too. Like, I love putting little hints. There's there's a character in my thriller series that's even under a different pen name um, that their name is reused and referenced in one of the Bessie books.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> like cool. Just, so, so, so readers could be searching for little, little surprises in the books. That's so cool.
1: Yeah and the new romance series um, there's an ice cream parlor called Bessie's because I just
0: had to <laughs> <laughs> Is that one set in the Isle of Man?
1: No, it's set in New York.
0: Oh, New York. Okay. That's really oh, cool. Uh, easter egg for the for your fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so now as a reader, do you still you're so busy with your with your kids and your books, do you still find time to read yourself?
1: Not as much as I would like. Um I did do some reading over the Thanksgiving break because I was like determined not to do any work Um, I don't read as much in the genres I write now as I used to there's still a few authors that I will read their latest books Um, but I tend to read a lot more sort of non-fiction now and and I'm currently reading Eric Idle's autobiography my husband got that because he's a big Python fan Mm -hmm. um and it's just it's just like wall to wall famous people he's met. Like he's had the most amazing life. Um, and I like to read like travel memoirs and and weird stuff that doesn't affect my creative process. If that makes any sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now, so you lived in the Isle of Man, so are any of the any of the uh, characters and that appear in your books are they based loosely on real people or? <laughs>
1: Specifically, like I said, Bessie's kind of loosely based on my mother in- law and my grandmother in law. Um, Finella, the main character in the ghost series is, is a lot more me actually, being the American you know you know out of duck out of water in the foreign country. Um, I mean, there's some historical characters in the book um, in the books that are are well they don't I talk about them a lot and and one of them is a ghost in the romance series. But that's a whole nother story. But I try not to base them on real people. But I often will combine several real people to make a character, if that makes sense.
0: And have you heard back from anybody that lives in the Isleman about your books?
1: I do get emails and and things from people who live on the island who enjoy the books. I always worry because I know that there are Americanisms in my text I try and write them in British English as much as I can um, but I know that Americanisms sneak in particularly the longer I live back in America you know the more I think American rather than British English and I worry that I'm getting things wrong about the island but generally the reception has been very positive and I know at least at one point one of the bookstores on the island was carrying my books which was great
0: was cool I noticed you were writing in, with British uh, spelling, right? Like uh, a I color am, yeah. with a U.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Wow. That, that, how hard was that to, or did you just kind of? Uh,
1: well, I mean, well, I I had to learn all of that when I was doing my master's degree anyway for papers mm. and things. So I got very used to it. But now <laughs> it's a changing back and forth because the ghostly series I write in American English because the main character is American. It's another reason why I like writing in blocks of four books at a time, so I know whether I'm writing British English or American English for an extended period of time.
0: Yeah, that'd be that'd be tough. <laughs> and so, uh, so you're oh, so you tell us what you're working on. Uh, you're working for the books that are going to come out in, in 2021, um, and you have a new series coming out. Uh, can you tell us um, uh, about your latest uh, Aunt Bessie's book that's coming out in January? You said.
1: Sure, Aunt Aunt Bessie Wonders. Now, I'm going to have to go and find it and read the blurb, because I finished through Z, and I don't remember what's happening in this one. That's terrible. I just got a copy of it to uh, do a final proofread of it before January. Oh, I know. They're going back on. um, So Bessie and her friend are going to a holiday park in the U.K. to get away from the island for a while um, along with Inspector Rockwell and his children because they've just had something of a shock let's say so they head to the holiday park unfortunately Bessie's friend's lawyers also turn up and if if you've read Aunt Bessie's holiday Bessie's best friend Duna um, is potentially the heir to a portion of the holiday park because of her estranged husband who got murdered in aunt Bessie's holiday spoiler alert. So now she's back at the holiday park and her lawyer is there and a lawyer who's opposing her claim to the estate is there. And then one of them gets murdered. And again, Duna and also John Rockwell end up being suspects and Bessie's always a suspect because you know, she's just always there. <laughs> I
0: know that a, a lot of my listeners are, are aspiring writers. Um, what kind of advice do you have for them, uh, for people who are just maybe haven't written their first book or getting started?
1: Um, I think if you want to write because you just want to write, write what you love and don't worry about anything else. If you want to make a career out of it or generate a second income out of it, um, you need to try and find that mix between writing what you love and writing to market. And I'm not a great one to talk about writing to market because I wrote what I wanted to read (laughs) rather than specifically to market. It just turned out that other people want to read it too. But I think as Amazon gets increasingly competitive and the indie author community gets bigger and bigger, you really need to try and find that spot in the market where you can enjoy your writing, but still you know, write something that people want to buy. If, you, if the only thing you like to read is, I don't know, sci-fi, drama, comedy, horror, whatever, you know, some weird mismatch of genres, and you try writing that, you're going to struggle to find an audience. So maybe pick one and focus on that. But you still need to love what you do.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important, too, because, yeah, there's a lot of uh, of genres out there, but if you're just writing it to make a go out of it financially, it'd probably be kind of tough if you don't like it.
1: (laughs) Well, and the other thing, and I keep telling my daughter this, because she loves to write as well, is don't quit your day job, and
0: that
1: (laughs) sounds really pessimistic, but it's the arts, and the arts are really hard to make a living at, and the only reason that I'm able to do it is because my husband has the day job with the insurance, and... And, for, I mean, the first year I was doing this, I made $143. That's not a lot of money to live on. Um, you know, I was lucky that, I, you know, I was only supplementing a, a, my husband's income. Um, if you If you want to do this as a career, make sure you've got some success. It took me three years to start making full-time job money. And I think you need to maybe keep another job until you're, making that consistently before you jump into full-time writing.
0: Yeah, especially with all the changes that can happen in publishing, too.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it. I mean, every time, things have changed almost unrecognizably from when I started. And, you know, luckily I was able to build up a reader base back when it was easier to do so. And I've been able to hold on to them by releasing really regularly. It's a lot harder to get started these days it's a lot harder to get eyes on your books and every time amazon changes something or or the the publishing landscape changes you're relearning skills that you thought you already knew you know mm-hmm. so it's a lot to stay on top of
0: yeah it's a crazy business this publishing business
1: <laughs> indeed it's the best thing I've ever done to make money. Up. I, I absolutely love what I do.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a dream to be able to, to to live off your writing. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. And so where can uh, our listeners find you? You're uh, active on uh, Facebook or the social media places?
1: Yeah, I'm active on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitter, but I don't really go on Twitter very much. But I am. Uh, we, uh, I chat with everybody on Facebook all the time. So you can find me there at Diana's Zarissa. I have, obviously, you know, the website, tried Instagram, but it just confuses me. My daughter keeps telling me she's going to take over my Instagram.
0: That'd be great to be your social media person.
1: (laughs) I said, I'll hire you. I'll pay you. Please do it. I don't understand it.
0: Okay. Well, then I'll have links to that on the website. Um, But uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. I really appreciate you being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.